In Romans 14, Paul calls us to not create a stumbling block to our neighbor. Now, this is not the first time that this phrase is used in the Bible. In fact, it's a recurring theme. It first appears in Leviticus 19, which says, You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Now, that actually sounds really cruel to put a stumbling block in front of a blind person. Ah, it reminds me of this scene from Big Daddy. Anyways, the New Testament takes on a spiritual meaning of causing someone to trip in their faith. Now, Jesus uses this phrase whenever he's talking about leading a child to sin. He says, and whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Romans 14 says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now, as Christians, we have freedoms and liberties, but they can cause someone to stumble. So in 1 Corinthians, we're called to take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, what's interesting is that the word Greek for stumble is actually scandalize, which is exactly where we get the English word for scandal, which literally means a moral failing. So there you go, a little bit about stumbling block, and that's enough today for our historical minute. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for all who you are. We thank you for walking through with this life with us, for, for giving us strength, for reminding us that we're yours, for giving us the forgiveness that you won for us on the cross. Father, in the midst of all that's going on, it's just, it's just, we just need to know, we need to have that confidence that you've got us in the midst of life. And so we thank you for that today. And we pray that in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. So if this is your first time visiting, this is a little different kind of service. It's a little bit more Bible study oriented. And so we've been going through the book of Romans. Last week we talked about kind of the way that Christians should view the government and kind of walk through all those elements. Today we're going to pick up in this whole idea of not passing judgment toward one another. And so I'm going to pick up and I'm just going to read through the section and then we're going to talk about it. As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who, who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. I'm going to stop there just for a second. The first verse just says this, As for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. I think we have to be really careful as we go through the scriptures just to, to I kind of can, how do I say, narrow down what we take a stand on to what scripture says, right? And, and not get so caught up in worldly arguments and worldly feelings and, and the politics of our day and those kind of things. So I'm going to give you a couple examples that, and then I'm going to read through the rest of this and, and hopefully you can see how there's some relation. One of the big things today is the mask and you guys are all wearing them. It makes singing harder. It makes breathing harder. It's makes everything harder, right? And no, anybody like the mask? A show of hands? No? Okay. So, but we're all wearing them just for protocols. But in our country right now, it's just interesting, isn't it? There are those that do not want to wear the mask so much that they judge people who are wearing masks. And they'll say even things like they, 
they're promoting fear or they're, or they're afraid themselves. And they probably are afraid themselves. I mean, that's why they're wearing the mask, to protect you, to protect them, I guess. And then you have this whole group of people that love to wear the mask, right? And they kind of judge people who don't wear masks. Like, what are you doing? And they make them uncomfortable and they, and they, and they, they think they're crazy and they're all kinds of things. And so in our political world, you have these two different groups that are kind of judging the other, not kind of, they are judging the other side. Now, let me extrapolate that a little bit. In the church, you still have those two groups. In this church, we have those two. We have groups that people that do not want to wear the mask, and they get frustrated with those who want to wear a mask. And you have those that want to wear the mask, they get frustrated with those that don't. What do you think Jesus would do, just out of curiosity? Do you think he cares about masks? Do you think the Spirit of God is somehow limited by a piece of cloth? Do you think somehow the Word can't get through and touch your heart because somebody's wearing a mask? No, right? But we get upset with each other because of the mass thing, that we forget that we're talking to people. That's one of the things in our culture today. When somebody disagrees with us, we objectify them, and then we view them as evil. You're nuts that you don't like the mask, or you're nuts that you like the mask, or it's kind of the red carpet, green carpet thing that I keep talking about. We fight over the most insane things. Now, if somebody, for example, let's say there was a Bible class, and I said, okay, if everybody feels comfortable, you can take off the mask. But one person says, no, I don't feel comfortable. It's interesting, even in a godly setting like a Bible study, somebody can get upset at that person who didn't want to take off the mask. If they get so bold, they could say something loudly or say something to the person like, what's wrong with you? Do you see how that gets in the way of them hearing Christ? Do you see how that gets in the way of them experiencing God's love and his care and his forgiveness? Do you see how that complicates seeing the witness that we're supposed to be giving to this world about who Jesus is? We've let something that's not scriptural, a piece of cloth, somehow get in between us where there should be unity in what Christ is calling us to do, calling us to be about. Let me give you another example. This is a little tougher because it involves something that is scriptural. There's some people in our world right now that are afraid to get the vaccine or don't want to get the vaccine because it has to do with some uh, abortion or some of the studies have some link to abortion, okay? What does the church say about abortion? That it's evil, that it's murder. There's nothing in scripture that would okay that. It's sinful through and through. Uh, Lighting the Empire State Building pink is is evil because it promotes that, it celebrates that that evil. Um, Encouraging people to get abortions, evil, right? Anything that would encourage or promote or celebrate that evil is always evil, it's true with any sin. But some people kind of take that and they say, well, because of that, I'm not going to get the shot because it's linked to this. It's so tainted in this. I'm so grieved over this evil that anything tainted with this, I'm just not going to take the shot. And and let me just say, if that's where you stand, you are good and godly and right not to receive the shot. Hear me say that. Your conscience is so burdened by this sin, and it should be. It's a grievous eagle that you don't want to receive the shot for that reason, for that linkage. You are good and right not to do that. But it's also possible to look at it this way. See, the church, when it comes to the remains that are left behind, right? The church is always concerned about the soul, where you spend eternity. Really, that's what we're concerned about. 
So we're focused on heaven and hell and all of those kind of things and getting you to heaven, right? I mean, that's what we want. So once our, heaven, our, our spiritual selves go to heaven and the bodies remain, the church doesn't have a whole lot to say about that as far as Scripture goes. In fact, really, the Scripture, only pieces of Scripture that talk about that, it deal with the idea of burial, right? After You should bury it within three days. You should bury it before it starts thinking. I mean, there's some, some, some parts of Scripture that say it's an abomination not to bury somebody, which is why they would take people off the cross before they were up there for too long. But it doesn't say anything about the rest. So is it possible that God can work all things for the good of those who love him? Is it possible that God can take something evil in this world and somehow, some way, not make this good, but somehow, some way, work good out of it? If so, then maybe that's why the church has for a long time stood that it's okay to donate your body to science or to give your liver or your heart or your lungs or whatever to somebody else after you pass, right? And it goes on to bless that new life in powerful ways. There's people alive in our congregation because somebody gave them a kidney or a lung or whatever after they passed. God has taken the evil of death, right? And somehow somebody worked good out of it. So there's Christians out there today that can take the vaccine, trusting that God somehow, some way, like medicine, is using it for good in their life so that they won't get something that might kill them, right? You can look at it either way as a Christian. The evil is abortion. That hasn't changed. The evil is abortion. We're not exonerating that in any possible way. I'm just saying, as a Christian, you can be so burdened by this sin that it causes you to be kind of heartsick about it. It would be sin for you in that place to receive the vaccine because you're so burdened by this. It's also possible to look at it as God working good out of evil and receive it with a good heart. Now, I share that as a backdrop. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. Again, so many of these things are opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything while another person eats only vegetables. Just as a kind of an explanation here, there was a lot of Jewish Christians in the church, and they believed, they were taught, you can only eat kosher, right? You can only eat certain things. You're not supposed to eat other things. This is part of our faith. This is part of what God gave to Moses. I mean, this is, this is big stuff here. This is what we're supposed to do as Jews or as Jewish Christians. And other people were Gentiles, and they'd come to faith, and they didn't have any of these rules. And really, for them, it's just about Jesus. There was no complication for them eating whatever because it had nothing to do with Jesus. In fact, Jesus even said, it's not what goes into your body, it's what comes out of your, your mouth that makes the difference, right? Because that is the outflow of your heart. So for them, it wasn't about what the food was, it was about Jesus. For those that were Jewish Christians, they were part and parcel of both. And so there was a struggle inside every early church in existence with those that wanted to hold to the old law and those that didn't really know much about it at all. But as you can imagine, again, it's all about Jesus. Everybody would say that. But they were fighting about not essential things then, weren't they? I can't believe you ate that. I can't believe you got that vaccine. I can't believe you're wearing the mask. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. And it was causing judgment within the church. It then was causing division within the church. And whenever there's division, Satan gets a foothold. So let one, so then Paul goes on and says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. I know it's hard. We live in America and we're all about rights. You know, I've got my rights. I don't have to, my liberty, I don't have to wear a mask or I don't have to do this or I don't have to get the vaccine or I don't have to do whatever. I have rights. I'm free in this state. And we all grew up as Americans. We all love those rights. I love those rights. But what 
Paul is saying here is sometimes we limit our own freedom to show love to other people. In that Bible study I'm talking about, that, that fictitious Bible study, the reason we would all wear a mask is because one was still burdened with this fear, right? Now think about it. If we were to say, no, we're all not wearing masks, it would cause that one to fear all the way through the Bible study, wouldn't it? Needlessly. Because what does it matter to you if you're wearing a piece of cloth or not? Does it really burden your heart that much that you have to do that for the sake of another person? Sometimes we lose so much focus on the other person that all we can see is ourselves. And when we do that, we get in the way of showing God's love. We get in the way of showing God's care. We get in the way of people coming to the faith. Because all they see is our rage or our judgment or our snarky comments. Or, and that's what you see in the world around us. And the church is affected by that. So he goes on and says, Let the one who abstains not pass judgment on the one who, who eats, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? They are God's servant. It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Again, I'll ask you, what do you think Jesus would do? If somebody was burdened by this, just worried to death about this pandemic, and they wanted him to wear a mask, do you think Jesus would wear a mask? Absolutely he would. For somebody who just, I don't know, got all geared up because somebody was wearing a mask and they were starting to fear because of that, do you think he would take off the mask? He's going to do anything he can to remove any barrier he can so that you can hear because he loves you more than he loves himself. So he demonstrated that on the cross. He calls us to do the same thing. And so I'm going to call you guys to do the same thing too. Not that you guys have any struggles. You guys are the perfect ones. But the reality is, as we go through life, as we go through this time that's just weird with the masks and the vaccines and everybody feels strongly about whatever, and these are just examples, there's others as well, I'm going to encourage you to think about your brother and your sister in Christ. I'm going to think, ask you to think about the person that's in Bible study with you or the person that's in church with you. I mean, if it was just up to me, we wouldn't wear a mask because I feel good about it. But you know why we don't do that yet? It's because we have a lot of people in this congregation that are still nervous about it. There's a lot of people still watching online because they're nervous even to come back. We had a lady come back today for the first time, and she was scared out of her mind going in. And then as she saw the protocols, as she saw how everybody kind of behaved, and all of a sudden she just felt fine and she felt peaceful again. And we provided a place for her to come and worship that's what we want, isn't it? We don't want people never coming back because they think we're crazy. We don't want people never coming back because somebody was rude to them. We want to be a place that welcomes everybody and doesn't allow our own issues to get in the way. I've heard people argue back and forth, Christians argue back and forth, judge the other side about vaccine or no vaccine, but there's no love in that. Again, you're talking about worldly issues that have nothing to do with Scripture. And so, I'll, again, I'll say, when we start talking about this stuff, let us confine what is right and wrong to what Scripture says is right and wrong, and then honor that somebody else may feel differently about something than you. And that doesn't mean that you have to hate them. I'll give you the traditional example of this. I had a buddy who was sober for 30 years, but he was an alcoholic. And once alcoholic, always, you always kind of struggle with that. And... We were out to dinner one time, and, and we were talking about this. I was just so impressed that, I mean, for 30 years, he just keeps going, and it seems like he gets stronger and stronger, and it's awesome. And he just said, he, he said this, you know, it's interesting as they deal with different people. You know, some people just don't know what to do with this, and so they kind of freak out, or they don't want to hang out with me, or whatever. But, but I kind of looked at it as this. 
I loved him more than I do beer. Isn't that crazy? I, I like beer. I do. I, it's, it's, it's good. But, but I, I cared for him more than I do beer. And so when I was around him, I wouldn't have a beer. Why? Out of care and love for him. I wasn't going to demand my rights to drink one in front of him because I, I didn't want it to be a trigger that would cause him to stumble and to fall. Again, we are all about our rights in America, and that's great, but, but sometimes we limit our freedom in Christ to care and love for somebody else. Anybody who's married gets that. There's certain things in your relationship with your spouse that you just don't do, that maybe you could do other places, but you just don't do because you know it pisses your spouse off. Pardon the language there, but it just upsets your spouse. And so we don't do it. Why? Because we love our spouse and because we don't want to get hammered. I mean, that's, the, that's why we do it. There's certain things that we don't do with our kids because we love them, especially when they're growing up. I love, I think Die Hard is the best Christmas movie ever, right? I didn't get to watch it for years because my kids were growing up and that violence that's in that movie would have been way too much for them. I rejoiced when my oldest daughter got old enough where I could watch that with her. But the reality is, out of love for my little ones, that wasn't something that we watched. We watched a lot of Santa Claus, one, two, and three. I mean, that's what we did. So we limit our freedom sometimes, all the time, for the sake of others so as to bring them to Christ, so as to show them God's love and his care. And I share that because I keep hearing things that make my heart sad from Christians who get so caught up in the political world around us that they start spewing hatred. I don't think intentionally, but hatred toward people that viewed things different than them. And Paul's trying to war against that because, again, in the church, they have the Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians, and the same kind of thing was happening. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. So for the Jewish Christians, they believed the Sabbath was Saturday. Why? Because that's what it's always been. It's always been on Saturday. You never cha- it's never changed. That's when they believe God rested on Saturday. Christians came, or Gentile Christians came along, the church came along, and because Jesus rose on Sunday, they thought, well, we should be worshiping him on Sunday. So they switched the day. Do you think that was a hard transition for the Jewish Christians? Absolutely, it was a hard transition. So, Paul's just saying, one person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind, and in other words, be right before God because of it. The one who fully observes the day observes it to the honor of the Lord. The one who eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that we might be both Lord, be Lord both of the dead and the, of, the, of the living. So, I sh- so as Paul's going through that discourse, essentially what he's saying is this, and I'll just use the vaccine in this part. If receiving the vaccine seems a sin to you, don't do it. Don't do it. Your heart is burdened by this or that and is causing to view this as just an evil thing then you can, with all good conscience, stand before the Lord and not do it. If getting the vaccine you see is something that God's provided through like a medicine or something like that, then you can, with all confidence, before the Lord do it. 
Scripture doesn't condemn either one. It condemns abortion, but it doesn't condemn either one in terms of your rationale for doing it or not doing it. There's some things in this world that you can legitimately and godly disagree upon, like the red carpet, green carpet. And for those of you that don't know the story, there was a church that split because they were having a capital campaign. They were doing renovations to the sanctuary, kind of like we are, and they were getting to put carpet down for the first time in years. And one half of the church wanted red carpet, and one half of the church wanted green carpet. And instead of talking through that, or even bringing in Christ, like which best represents God's love here, you know, or whatever, the church split because of non-essential stuff, because of opinions, because of likes about things that have nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with his love, nothing to do with his forgiveness. And here's the other crazy thing in our culture right now that is happening we justify our hatred toward those dis- that disagree with us. Don't believe me? Turn on the news at any point. We justify it, and that's bled into the church. I'm telling you, we have Democrats and Republicans both in our church. Praise be to God for that. You know, that used to not be a thing. We're not a political institution. We're a church that, that cheers Jesus, and I want you to love everybody. This needs to be a place for everybody. Somebody came from one of those two sides to our church um, that had been kind of, um, I was staying at home for a long time because of COVID, and they came back and she said, I didn't know if this still was a church for me because of all the political rhetoric, because of all the stuff that she had heard, because of people that she knew in the church that were on the other side. And she came in, she experienced the love of everybody, even people that she had known, came up and gave her a hug and were so glad to see her. She experienced worship. I mean, the music here is awesome. She got to experience Jesus sharing with her a message about how much he loves her. She just was weeping because she was, felt like she was welcomed again. You see the fear that the world's causing? It's causing so much division. We've got to be a place that presses past those things, that gets beyond those things to what used to be somewhat normal. One person, wait, where am I? Uh, Verse 7, I'll start. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, uh, moving on. Okay, so moving on to verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow before me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will have to give an account of himself to God. So if because we take a position one way or the other on mass, and we share not love but condemnation, not love but judgment, not love but hate, which do you think God's looking at? Our rights to have one opinion over the other or the damage we've just done to somebody that we say that we care for? Where do we, I, I can't even understand who we're listening to that so warps our minds to think that we can treat other people so poorly. It used to be that we'd seek conversation with one another. We'd seek to try to figure out why the other person thought the way they did. That we'd seek some kind of discourse so that we could figure out solutions. I know that's not happening in Washington, D.C. right now. But the reality is it needs to happen in the church. We stand before God and have to give an account of everybody that we've blown away from the church because of our jerkiness. Again, not you guys, other people. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of our brother. I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. 
For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. But what you eat, by, by what you eat, do not destroy the one whom, whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in, in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So my encouragement is I'd love for you, at least in the mask issue, to be more concerned about them than you are about you. And ask them, hey, what do you prefer? Do you want the mask on? I'll keep it on. Do you not want it on? I'll take it off. Right? Just to be more concerned about the other person. More concerned on if they're hearing about Jesus' love. More concerned as if they feel care from you than you are caught up in yourself. If you're one place or another on the vaccine, that you can be fully persuaded in your heart on which one you're going to do, but then not judge or condemn somebody who does it differently that may have a different rationale, even a godly rationale to do something opposite. Again, it's not a matter of eating or drinking, guys. It's a matter of sharing love. And I feel like this is an important message because I keep running up against people that are doing it wrong. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding, God says, or Paul says. How are we doing on time? There we go. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So it's wrong for me to have a beer in front of my friend lest he stumble. It's wrong for me to condemn somebody because they're not doing what I want on mass because it might make them stumble or might make them leave the church or might make them feel unloved or whatever. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because he, the eating is not from faith, and whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So this last part, again, I'll go back to the vaccines. Let's say you're fully convinced that you should not receive the shot because it's linkage to abortion. Then you should not receive the shot because you're not taking the shot in faith. You're taking it in fear or in, in some other thing, but it's not faith that God's going to use it because everything in you is saying that it's wrong. Whatever is not of faith, trusting that God's got you, trusting that you're walking in his path, trusting that he's there by you every step of the way, whatever is not done in faith is sin. So even something that's not sin in the Bible, if you're convinced that it is sin, is sin unto you. That's what Paul's saying, because you're going against conscience. Um, there's some people, Baptists I know, that believe that drinking is a sin. They should not drink, right? Because it's a sin unto them. I know Lutherans that drink Maybe more than they should. That, that moderation piece, if they keep it, is not a sin. Anything over is clearly a sin. But the reality is, whatever is, our conscience keeps score when things are not clearly spelled out in Scripture. And if even if our hearts are convinced fully that something is sinful, that Scripture does not say is sinful, then it's sin unto us. God says, be careful of that. Don't go against your conscience for things that are not scripturally given. I give some examples of that. I'll think of some in a little bit. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is cl indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good to, not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. And for whatever is not of faith, 
and for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. He goes on in chapter 15 and builds on this. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good and build him up. There was a couple that got in a fight over politics uh, during this pandemic. And one side was just really trying to convert the other side because they care, right? I mean, that's, if you believe either way right now, you're feeling like you're saving the other side because each side is fully convinced that they're right, I guess. So she was trying to share some things because she cares and she wanted to kind of win her back to the truth as she saw it. The other person was offended by that, as you can imagine. And it started to create a divide in this relationship between two amazingly godly women. They had lost sight of main things and were talking about secondary things, right? And when I talked to each one of them, I, I was saying, look, uh, well, how, how long do I want to say this? As you're bearing with the different opinions of people in the world, Part of you just has to recognize, even if you feel like you're and fully convinced that you are right, some people are still just walking as they get to know the truth and they're walking in that perspective and it's going to take them a while to get to where you are. And in that journey, as they're defining and, and understanding and coming to grips with whatever is true, right, they're going to have different thoughts along the way. And either you can condemn them and destroy that relationship, destroy the ability to continue to converse, destroy that ability to continue to disciple and share God's truth, or you could bear with them as they go along the process. And maybe you don't speak politics while you're in that different place, right? But you talk about everything else in their life. I a, there was a guy when I was in Houston. He was um, oh, a, a pain in the district side, I guess. He was uber uber, uber traditional and vociferous and uh, shared his opinion everywhere and it made the, uh, the meetings go way longer than they should and all sorts of th different things. Anyway, he was in our circuit and he was one of the pastors and most of the guys didn't want anything to do with him. I mean, he was just crazy. But I was like associate, and I, so I, I just went up to him and I said, hey, how's your family? And we started talking about his kids. We started talking about his wife and what she did. And then we started talking about some of his hobbies. And every time I saw him, I made it about anything but church politics. Anything. Because we didn't agree on church politics. So why would I talk about it? And what's funny is we developed kind of a friendship during that time. And I'd go to conferences years and years after that. And he'd always seek me out and say hi. And we talk about his family. And we talk about things that are going on in his life when everybody else didn't want to talk to him at all because of his political stance within the church. We've got to be able to figure out things to talk about with one another to lead them to Jesus, to not get in the way of Jesus. As a result of this conversation, one was going to leave the church because of politics, not because of Jesus. I know the politics are a big thing today. I, I know we are super passionate about one side or the other. I, I get that. But Jesus is still more important. It's got to be. Drawing people to him's got to be still more important. It, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're not talking about the next, I don't know, 20, 50 years here on this earth. And by the way, Christianity has existed in all sorts of governments through all of time so far, Right? Somehow God's found a way for that church to keep on plugging away through every sick, different kind of government in the existence of man. 
Our goal's got to be to lead people more and more to Christ. It's got to be. And so that's my plea today. That's Paul's plea as we go through this. Um, I don't know where to stop, James. I don't have my clock up there. Is this about right? All right. Continuing on. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord to Christ Jesus that together with that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another. And in other passages it says, accept one another as Christ has accepted and welcomed you for the glory of God. So my last plea is just this. I want to be known as a church that just loves people, that loves Democrats and loves Republicans, that loves people with masks and loves people without masks, that loves people with the shot and people without the shot, and whatever else it is that divides in our country, that we are a place that accepts these people, that loves these people because we want them in heaven one day, because we want to share with them the truth of God, because we want to give them comfort in their life, strength to deal with life as it comes. I want to be that place. And so that's my encouragement to you as we move forward to love one another more than whatever else is going on in our world today. And I know the pandemic's made it worse because it isolated us from one another. We're all in our homes. We're watching the news 24-7. We get all geared up by the stuff that we read. We're not even dealing with the people that we love anymore. So it's easy for us to objectify the other side. Paul says we've got to break through that and relearn to care and relearn to love because that's what's going to lead people to Christ. So go with that encouragement today and let me pray. God, we love you so much and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you just for this time to kind of dig through a, I think a hard issue in our culture today. It's at least something that we forget. We get so consumed with what we think and we just think everybody should think that way. Sometimes that causes us to be judgmental, Lord, and we just say right now we are so sorry for that. Please forgive those times where we've judged people over non-essential things, Lord, and give us the capacity, Lord, to relearn how to react to people, how to care for people, to put their needs in front of our own so that they might know Jesus differently, better, that we can be actually a help on their journey toward heaven and not a hindrance. But that's our prayer. Give us the strength, Lord. We are the strong. That's what you say, right? So as the strong, give us the strength to bear with the weak in ways that show them how much you love them. And that's our prayer today in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>